today's conversation is going to spend time thinking about chapter eight of the Becoming a Better Mentor Guide. Uh, And this chapter is called Honoring Youth Voice and Building Power. Uh, So I'm excited to dive in today. I'm looking forward to all of the great initiatives that we can talk about both on this side of the state and then on the other side and how as a whole, we are just making young people feel empowered and respected. So let's get ready to buckle in and and have a great conversation today. So I'll turn it over to Ashley for a second and then uh, we'll continue today's conversation. Hi, everyone. Great to be here again. And um, I always love chatting with Adelaide. Uh, They're doing such great work over there. And yeah, I hand it over to you to introduce yourself. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Sophia. My name is Adelaide Meschler. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the lead trainer at Mentor Independence Region in Philadelphia over here on the eastern side of Pennsylvania. Um, And I've been with our mentor affiliate as a trainer since 2015 um, when we started doing this work here in Philly in our region. Um, So for my job, I get to design learning experiences for mentors and mentoring program staff, and I get to facilitate um, those learning experiences and trainings. Um, And yeah, I've been in Philly for like 17 years, and I um, grew up, I was raised in the Southern United States. Um, So yeah, I'm super excited to talk about this chapter in particular with y'all. Awesome. So we heard that you uh, spent some time, uh, I think the words you used were considering mentoring experiences, uh, but recognizing that you're, you're a great facilitator uh, and trainer and get and have developed some curriculum uh, that we'll get a chance to also talk about today. So I uh, appreciate you again, uh, even as Ashley said, like we totally respect all the things that you're doing on the other side of the state. And we're glad that we get a chance to, to be together and to work uh, collectively t- today, but then also in other ways as well. Uh, so let's dive right in. This chapter, again, chapter eight from Becoming a Better Mentor uh, Guide, uh, which is available on Mentor's website, as well as the Mentoring Partnership's uh, website, mentoringpittsburgh.org. Let's talk about what this even means. Uh, so given what we learned and what we read about in this chapter, what does honoring youth voice and building power mean to you? Yeah, I just... I want to give a shout out to Dr. Liz Santiago and Minnie Chen, who wrote this chapter, um, two brilliant minds in the mentoring field. Um, And I think like I'm thinking about the youth voice first, right? Like what is youth voice? Um, And I had a chance to hear um, Adam Fletcher speak recently, who's written a book about um, young people and The definition he used of youth voices, he said, youth voices, any expression of any young person anywhere at any time for any reason. Um, And so that kind of, that really expanded for me what youth voice even is. um, And also clarified for me that youth voice is not like special opportunities for special youth at special time or even youth leadership, Um, a young person on a board wearing a suit, making eye contact with me. Um, He even helped me, helped us uh, like break down 
thinking about when is you, when youth waste is convenient and when it's inconvenient, when it's traditional, when it's non-traditional. Um, he shared examples with us like social media posts and comments, um, showing up to, to our programs, not showing up to our programs. Um, you know, the clothing that young people wear, um, even like aggressive or defiant behavior, things we might consider disrespectful. Also things like graffiti, like writing on a marker with a Sharpie, Mrs. Jones sucks. Um, that's all youth voice. Um, and that's, again, Adam Fletcher really like recently opened my eyes to what youth voice even is. Um, and, and then like, what does it mean to really honor youth voice? Like we have to listen in order to honor it. As adults, when I say we, I'm talking about all of us adults who talk about young people all the time when they're often not even present um, in our spaces um, with intentions to support them and help them thrive. And I think honoring it is like not just listening, but believing them, like recognizing their perspective as their truth um, and looking for ways to support them in amplifying their voice. Um, like their voice is there. It's there. It's here. It's in our world. Um, do we as adults have the capacity to listen to it um, and then actually honor it? And then there's this whole other thing, almost obviously connected, but building power. Um, and I went to school and got a degree in political science like over 20 years ago. <laughs> but one of the classes I got to take was anarchism. And I learned all, like the very first thing we did was we broke down what is power. And I learned in that class that power is the ability to influence. Like, that's it. It's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not positive. It's not negative. It's just the ability to influence. And what can sort of make it dangerous um, is how we use it. Are we using power over to dominate or are we using power are we sharing power, as you mentioned, Sophia, like with the Search Institute's developmental relationships framework? Are we sharing power with young people? Are we giving power to young people? Are we inspiring young people to be empowered? And to me, building power, it's like taking our mentoring field beyond just supporting one individual young person to thrive to supporting young people to lead social change, supporting young people to create the society that they want to live in. Um, so that is what all of that means to me, honoring youth voice and building power. Thanks for sharing that. There were so many things I was like pulling out while you were talking, even just the start of level setting what youth voice means. I think so often in conversations, we talk about youth voice and how it's important, but often we don't sit back and say like, wait a minute, what, what's the definition of this? Or like, what does this mean? And are we all talking about the same thing? And thinking about it in that way as any expression or comment um, from youth, whether we like it or not, <laughs> is important because we probably hear from youth a lot more than we think we do when we're talking about it, but sometimes it's just not things that we want to hear even though it might be things that we need to hear. It's not just about them saying what we want them to say, like when we want them to say it. And that seems like a really important thing to remember on all of this um, and to keep into perspective. So at the beginning of this chapter, there's also a statement to become a better mentor. And the mentors have to believe that young people are poised for greatness. You have to believe in 
that a young person is going to be able to do great things. If you don't see that potential in them, then things aren't going to work. But how does that type of thinking help shape the way that we value that youth voice? Yeah, it's like that statement, um, believing that young all young people are poised for greatness, I think speaks to this uh foundational shift in our thinking about young people. Like when I say our, I mean, again, like adults, um, mentors, people running mentoring programs. There's a, like a shift, a foundational shift in our thinking that has to happen first. Um, And not even first, like it has to be happening all the time because it's also acknowledging that we live in a, culture and society in which young people are marginalized simply by being a young person. They're not seen as capable. They're discriminated against. Power is taken from them. They're not given power by our institutions like government, states. Um, And things are really done to them. Choices are made for them. Um, When we think about all the settings they're in, whether it's a school setting or foster care system or the juvenile justice system or Um, you know, after school programs and mentoring programs. Um, And I think like believing that all youth are poised for greatness, also believing that like youth are already great. Like they're already doing great things. Um, When we look at like the context we're in right now and all of the adversity happening in the world, um, you know, gun violence and mass shootings and, um, you know, pandemics and the climate crisis young people are responding by taking to the streets. They're demonstrating, they're demanding change. Um, They're creating campaigns on social media. They're thinking of things in ways that as adults, a lot of us are not even um, thinking about. And so, yeah, like we, we have to, I think I am beginning to and learning to shift my thinking about what young people are capable of. Um, and how valuable how valuable they are, um, and noticing like oh my gosh they're not even in the room they're not even at the tables and we're making all these decisions and um, what are they saying already and how can we listen to that and pay attention and go to them where they are not just ask them to come to us right fill out our surveys and sit on our boards <laughs> so. I don't like that's great. Um, and I appreciate that. I kind of want to step start where you just kind of finished, right? Thinking about how to encourage more youth voice and what that looks like. So you talked about being on boards, um, having panels, like making sure that we're in these spaces and that they're there as well. Cause we are always talking about what's good for them, what we have well intentions, but we're not actually asking them or allowing them to leave. Uh, so since we're there, you've already started to talk about that. Can you share some of the great ways that you all are intentionally trying to include youth voice? Uh, what does that look like to honor youth voice, given the great work that you're already doing in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, there are some things we're doing. There's also so many things we're not doing yet. I think like young it's. I just said this, but it's like, we want young people to come to us. We want them to fill out our surveys. We want them to like put a call out and asking people to come to a focus group. And um, like young people are already 
expressing themselves. And so I feel like it's up to us as adults to go to them and listen, like build, starting with building trust. Like what are young people in our community already leading and doing and talking about and asking for, um, whether that's on social media or just going to community events or going to schools, going to uh, places where young people are, getting to know them and just listening without feeling the need to like jump in and like, well, here's a resource and let me help and, um, and just really listen, build relationship and build trust over time so that young people will be able to tell us what they need and count on us. Um, some of the things we're beginning to do at Mentor Independence Region in Philly, um, we I got really interested in youth participatory action research when I read Dr. Tori Wieston Serden's book, Critical Mentoring. I don't know if she has a whole chapter on it, but it was definitely like a section. I was like, what is this? Like I had this long, complicated name, but the way she explained it was like listening to young people, giving, it was like a really technical way of like really listening to what young people are saying in a way that puts them as like plate positions them as a partner and an expert. Um, and I'm also not a researcher. And so I was like, how do I learn about this? And then last year um, we were really fortunate to um, find and work with a youth participatory action research or YPAR researcher, Dr. Kristen Gessling um, right here in Philadelphia, um, who taught us a lot about YPAR and then my executive director, Abby Ellis, and I did a lot of thinking around how do we, inf- without being researchers, how do we infuse some of these technical tools of YPAR into our work as a mentor affiliate in supporting mentoring programs and um, helping caring adults build relationships with young people and listen to them. Um, and so uh one of the things we got some funding to do a, we're calling it state, the state of relationships according to youth report. Um, and so again, like so often we are, uh, I'm with a bunch of adults and we're talking about young people and we all care, um, but there's no young people present. And I'm like asking myself, do I even know young people? Um And so we um, formed a youth advisory group just for this project. Um, We, it was, I was surprised. I shouldn't say I was surprised, but I was, it was actually really easy to find a bunch of super brilliant, engaged young people in Philly um, or a group of them. And they helped us inform like the questions we wanted to ask. Um, I want to know like, what do young people need from us as adults? Are they getting it? What can we do better? Um, and so this group of young people, our advisory group, helped us figure out some ways to ask that that's culturally, culturally relevant um, and, you know, just made sense and was interesting to them. Um, and we are starting to do some focus groups. Um, this week, I talked to um, some high school students the the school district of Philadelphia um, and just got to listen to, you know, what's happening in their lives, what they need from adults, what they don't need from us. Um, and so that's one of the things we're doing. Um, one of the things that I'm aspiring to do um, as a trainer and training facilitator and designer, um, I want to pay young people to help me design 
training experiences for adults that want to support young people. I want to um, pay young people as facilitators and co-facilitators to train adults. Um, Cause I talk to adults all the time about what young, I think young people need or what research says young people need. Um, so those are a couple things that we're exploring. Hello, I'm Bridget Wissinger from the Mentoring Partnership. Do you work or volunteer for a youth mentoring program? Are you ready to continue your mentoring program's commitment to quality mentoring? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then I have great news for you. The Mentoring Partnership offers support to programs just like yours through no-cost technical assistance. Through the National Mentoring Resource Center, the Mentoring Partnership is able to help support eligible youth mentoring programs build their capacity and improve the quality of mentoring to their young people at no cost. You might need support with training your mentors or your mentees. Maybe evaluation surveys could help you understand and demonstrate the impact you're having on young people and you'd like help creating them. Or maybe you'd like to better understand the best practices of youth mentoring according to evidence and research. We can help you with all of that. Just last year, we provided over 700 hours of no-cost support to programs just like yours. If you're interested in receiving technical assistance for your program, or you'd like to know more, please reach out. You can contact one of Mentor Chat's very own hosts, Ashley Wineland, at A-W-I-N-E-L-A-N-D at mentoringpittsburgh.org or find out more on our website at www.mentoringpittsburgh.org. You can search NMRC on our website. We hope to work with you soon. Thank you. I appreciated so much how you said, there are things that we're doing, but there's also a lot of things we're like not doing, which I think is oh, super yeah. relatable. Um, we we want to do so many things, but you have to start somewhere. And I think just like we ask our mentors or we expect of our mentors or we expect of um, young people, like we have to start where we are and work with that and like where we can find like those, where we have access to those young people in order to like listen. And I love the idea of young people training adults. And I, (laughs) you really like nailed it. And I appreciate like, we need to pay young people. Like again and again, I think that's a great way of like sharing power with them is like respecting their time and their energy just as much as we respect an adult. If you would pay an adult, um, you need to pay a young person too. Yeah. Dr. Tori Wiesensertin is like, pay young people and pay them more. Like if they, they, they are the experts, their insights and opinions are the most valuable. We should actually even be paying them more. And then the reality is like, for me, you know, I work at a nonprofit and there's like all this urgency and there's funders and, you know, a a culture of, you know, grow and progress and do more. And we're uh, having an event later. It's like just a networking dialogue, community dialogue event um, later this month around uh, just talking to other mentoring, like mentoring program staff and adults about the tension between honoring youth voice and running a mentoring program, you know, and responding to our funders and, and, you know, making payroll and 
yeah, that's a tough spot to be in sometimes. Yeah. I know in the, a great place to start like anywhere, and you mentioned this in the chapter, also mentioned this about just building trust and starting there because so often we haven't taken the time to do that. And even in this chapter, it talks about how long, like it takes a long time to build that trust. And we think about our own relationships in life, like it takes us a while to become, to develop trusting relationships with another person. And it's not something we can just rush. We can't have a conversation with a young person one time and then expect them to to trust us and like come into this work with us. And I know sometimes we feel like we're like listening or like we're doing that, but what have you seen are some of those pitfalls that adults have or what are good practices you've seen for really listening and building that trust with young people? Yeah. One of the things I think that's really helpful is acknowledging cultural mistrust. Like just as in the chapter, Dr. Santiago and Minnie Chen, you know, acknowledge there's socially a lot of mistrust between young people and adults. And then we also have other forms of cultural mistrust, like people of color not trusting white people. It's a rational logical response to a history of oppression and harm. And when we think about those of us who are mentors in a formal mentoring program, you know, thinking about how nonprofits have harmed people in their communities that they intended to help. Um, And so acknowledging cultural mistrust and the history of harm, um, when we think about our relationships with young people and our relationships with the communities that we're in, that we intend to serve and support. Um, So acknowledging that and then constantly always doing the work of building trust. Like some of it, I think some of the pitfalls Um, that I experience or that I see other adults experience are um, taking it personally, right? When like someone doesn't trust us right away or, um, and I think acknowledging cultural mistrust and a history of harm has helped me to understand it may not be personal. It's just a logical response um, to not trust lots of authority figures, including adults or formal mentors or mentoring programs that are outside of, you know, someone's community. And then I think there's also this pitfall of um, not wanting to deal with our discomfort, um, feeling like we need to be perfect and experts and have all the answers. And this desire, it's like this desire to feel helpful I've noticed it in myself so much and in so many folks like myself who work at a nonprofit or volunteer to be a mentor, like a lot of us are motivated because we want, we see injustice in the world and we want to do something about it, right? And so sometimes that shows up as wanting to feel helpful. And I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with that. What I notice is that can be a slippery slope of um, taking over like our identity. There's this Brene Brown quote that I don't remember right now, but it's uh, something like letting go of helper and fixer as the source of my identity and self-worth. Um, and this has been something that's been really difficult for me and also I think helpful um, 
and acting and being in more alignment with my values than just this, like, I'm a helper, I'm a fixer. Um, yeah, and, the, and like, building trust, what it can look like is having fun, learning together, doing new things together, um, showing up. And like you said, Ashley, over a long period of time for some, some young people, there's also, like, you know, trauma. Some young people have been hurt in relationships. Um, and it is like a coping mechanism. They have survived by like building a wall and not getting close to people that they don't know. So I think sometimes we just need reminders, right? It's not personal. Why am I in this? Am I doing this for myself to feel helpful and feel like I'm a good person? Um, or can I be in this without this mentoring relationship, right? Without being attached to a specific outcome or our relationship looking a certain way or feeling a certain way to me um, and letting this young person take all the time they need to build trust with me and working to earn their trust. It is work and it is my work as the adult, as the mentor. I mean, I tell you, I'm sitting here listening to you and all these gems and pearls of wisdom that you are dropping. Like, um, I feel like I'm in a, some type of master's class and uh, (laughs) really thinking about how to, to rethink this idea of honoring youth voice, right? Like today's conversation is is focused on, and, and you said this in your introduction is young people are talking. The question is, are we listening and putting respect on what they're saying um, at the end of the day? And so I just appreciate, like you said, the intentional work that you're doing. Um, As you were sharing just now, like there's a training that you lead um, called Combating White Saberism, which has been uh, super helpful for us here in Pittsburgh as well, as we talk to mentors about, again, not doing that harm. Uh, so I, I kind of want to shift a little bit. Like we, we were talking about cultural mistrust and I, I want to talk about this unconditional, unconditional positive regard, thinking about how important the words that we use are, um, and how we can actually speak life into situations. And I know that sounds a little, little preachy, but that's who I am. Uh, but really thinking about the intentionality of the words that we use. So I often remind mentors um, when I'm in trainings that they don't know if they are the only person who's talking positive to a young person. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what unconditional positive regard uh, looks or sounds like. Yeah, I think like the words we use are so important. Like our language creates our culture and our culture creates our language and how we talk to each other and how we talk to young people. Like even li- like prepositions, right? Like to and with. Am I doing mentoring to a young person or am I doing it with a young person? Um, that's a huge difference. Um and that's a huge power shift. Um, is this, um, you know, using even just talking about like me and us versus like you and them, like 
really demonstrating connection with our language that we're all connected. Like it's not, mentoring is not just a relationship in which this young person needs my help. Like we are both human beings and everyone needs help and everyone, we all need connection. Um, are we both, is it a bi-directional relationship in which we are both benefiting? Um, and uh, yeah, unconditional positive regard. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, like, I know you really talked about positive Sophia and I'm also seeing like that word unconditional, like I'm hearing that word unconditional. I, something I see come up and you talked about the combating white saviorism training and something I see coming up in mentoring relationships and in myself is like, does this young person deserve my help? Is this young person deserving enough? Like, just questioning that, it's like I'm putting myself in the position of determining who needs help, what kind of help they need, um, who's most capable of helping me. And I think, you know, right in this situation, um, I want to, you know, I, I want to be matched with a kid who like really needs a mentor. Um, and like we're placing a condition, right, on on the relationship and on um, how we're showing up. And then positive regard, I think I really encourage, and I try to do this myself, like I really encourage mentors to figure out what this young person or this group of young people need. Do they need some like positivity? Like, are they, are they really surrounded by negativity internally within themselves, in their environment? Are they needing, like, a confidence boost? Are they needing a cheerleader? They need someone to see them as capable. Um, if that's what they need, let me try offering that to them and see how they respond. There's also, like, I hear people using the term toxic positivity, too, right? When... Like when we say at least, you know, a young person shares something like challenging or a struggle. Well, at least it's not this bad or at least this, you know, can be really like um, disaffirming, can um, leave the young person feeling like, oh, I'm, this is my fault. Like I'm making this negative. Um, and, you know, we also have like, there's growth mindset and sparks and all these like wonderful tools. Uh, for, I hear people talk a lot about grit and resiliency. And it's like, before I jump in and start like trying to apply that tool, let me actually listen to what this young person is expressing and try to understand what they need before I assume that they need me to boost them up and be positive, you know, positive. I think the unconditional positive regard, like as a concept is me as the mentor, as the adult, seeing this young person as like inherently good as human. Um, there's a Maya Angelou quote that I don't want to get wrong, but, um, she says, I am human, therefore nothing human can be foreign to me. And the way I have interpreted that 
is like anything that another person can do, I am capable of doing. Even like the most horrific, horrible thing, you know, it's like we want to, I think we want to like distance ourselves. I would never do that. And here's why. Um, and like a young person too, like, well, why are they doing that? Or if they would just do it this way or see things this way. Um, when there's actually an opportunity to just let them be themselves and get to know what it is they actually need and believe them. Um, and if we can't offer it to them, find someone else who can. So, yeah, I think of unconditional positive regard as just like seeing young people as humans that are capable and valuable and experts on what they need. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, this has been uh, a very, I mean, I want to use the word great, but I don't think that that's strong enough of a, a word here. Um, but yeah, just really the intentionality behind understanding how young people have potential and we had the opportunity to help nourish and push forward uh, what young people uh, have to say. And as we think about being becoming a better mentor, it, it's recognizing that quality. Um, I mean, I remember, and I think all three of us could sit here and say that when I was a younger version of myself, um, there were a lot of things that I wanted to say or had ideas. And if somebody just would have asked me what I thought, I was ready to stand up on a stage and share, right? Uh, so that's a good way to kind of envision what this looks like. What are your young people thinking and feeling and that we're not giving them a chance uh, to, to share out loud? Uh, so with that, Adelaide, I mean, I, I think that we have uh, covered a lot today. I don't know if there's any Thing else that you want to add or bring to life before we uh, close out for today? We have one more question for you, but if there's anything else that you want to acknowledge or talk about, um, I don't know if you have another quote that you can pull out that's just let it sit there and let us simmer on it. Um, but we're, we're all open for what you might have to share. Yeah, I think something I've been thinking a lot about just personally in my own uh, like self-reflection around honoring youth voice and building youth power is play. Um, I love words. I had to look up a definition of play. And I read a definition of play as doing something without purpose. And I was like, oh, dang. If power is like the ability to achieve purpose, play is doing something without purpose. It like temporarily neutralizes power dynamics, right? And what I am noticing in myself is how resistant I am to play. Like I wasn't as a young person, you know, like I love to play and how resistant I can be to it. Um, and just noticing why that is and what's coming up for me and, um, and pushing and challenging myself to, um, play to do things without purpose and just sit and be, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, I have a four-year-old who loves to play and is great at play. And so really just like following their lead and um, letting them remind me how to play has been challenging. And I think is part of this work. And that was a great segue into the last question that Sophia mentioned that we had was, 
um, because one of the chapters in the Becoming a Better Mentor Guide is focused on making room for fun and play and how important that is, like you discussed. And you mentioned that you had a lot of fun as a young person. And is there a time that you reflect on, maybe a specific time or a general time when a caring adult um, created a fun experience for you or um, helped make space for you to have that fun? Yeah. Um, my dad, man, he knows how to have fun. Like he really like, modeled playing and having fun for me as a child. I have three brothers, um, took us, like, took us camping, you know, would build, you know, built tree houses. And one of the things that he did, I don't remember ever, ever there being a conversation. It's not something I would ever even have thought to ask for, I don't think, but, um, one of my brothers and I, one of our favorite things to do was like put, you know, on the cassette player or record player and just dance and like perform on the front porch or in like our living room to like Little Mermaid or like whatever, you know, we were uh, interested in as kids. Um, and we would just sing and dance. And um, my dad had these like, uh, four little like boxes he'd made for storage in one of our bedrooms and he had this piece he took this piece of huge piece of plywood that was like really oddly shaped and just like put it on top of them in the middle of the room and created this huge stage and we had so much fun like dressing up in like elaborate costumes with our you know record player because that player and just performing and you know I think he was just he is in touch with his like playfulness, you know, he's brought that into his adulthood and he was so listening so carefully and noticing what we were doing to have fun and play that he just like created an environment that amplified that. Um, and yeah, that was a, I have lots of fun memories performing on that plywood stage. <laughs> Well, that is awesome. Uh, I mean, way to not only to incorporate the fun and play, but then also to honor <laughs> your all voices, literally, right? So very literally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as I as I just stated a few seconds ago, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I've appreciated. Uh, many of you couldn't see uh, Ashley and I like rigorously nodding our heads or uh, giving a snap to some of the things that Adelaide said, but uh, we appreciate you being here and joining us today uh, as we talked about becoming a better mentor and this idea of focusing on the ways to honor youth voice um, while also helping them to build power. Uh, so we hope that you all have been enlightened. We hope that you have been inspired uh, and we encourage you to make sure that you're listening to young people uh, and uplifting their voices while also empowering them uh, to be great. Thanks again for joining us and we'll be with you soon. Thank you. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. You can read the full chapter on honoring youth voice and building power in the Becoming a Better Mentor Guide on Mentor's website, mentoring.org. It's also available in audiobook form, or you can watch a short video summarizing the chapter. Making space for youth voice and building power in a mentoring relationship 
may sound a little daunting, and we might not know where to start. But just as we discussed in this episode, you don't have to do everything at once. A great way to begin honoring your mentee's voice and creating a trusting partnership is providing them with choices and then respecting those choices. As it mentions in chapter eight of the guide, this applies for youth of all ages, but it'll look differently at each age. If you're deciding what activities to do together, you might give your younger mentees a menu of options to choose from. This will help them come up with ideas, whereas an older mentee may come up with their own ideas or want to brainstorm them together. If you're confused about their choices, it's okay to ask questions, but always make sure to be respectful when asking and listening to their choice and reasons. Respect is one of the most important concepts of sharing power. As mentioned in this chapter and part of the developmental relationship framework, honoring youth voice and building power is all about allowing youth to feel heard and seen. is written and hosted by Sophia Duck and Ashley Wineland with the mentoring partnership of Southwestern Pennsylvania. It is produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin MacLeod. A special thank you to the mentoring partnership team. Thank you to our guests. For more information about us, mentoring, and this episode's topics, take a look at this episode's show notes and visit the mentoring partnerships website at www.mentoringpittsburgh.org. Be sure to like and subscribe to Mentor Chat wherever you get your podcasts.